Happiness Isn't Brain Surgery with Doc Snipes. This podcast was created to provide you the information and tools Doc Snipes gives her clients so that you too can start living happier. Our website, DocSnipes.com, has even more resources, videos, and handouts, and even interactive sessions with Doc Snipes to help you apply what you learn. Go to DocSnipes.com to learn more. And we're back to Happiness Isn't Brain Surgery with Doc Snipes, Practical Tools to Improve Your Mood and Quality of Life. This is module number two of today's presentation. We're going to continue talking about self-assessment. In the first module, we talked about identifying what your main presenting issue is, which is often a mood issue, but also any addictive, compulsive, or unhelpful escape behaviors that you use to deal with the unpleasant feelings that don't actually help solve whatever's causing the unpleasant feelings. In this module, we're going to identify the benefits and drawbacks to the main problem. And yeah, even with things like anxiety, depression, and anger, there are benefits, believe it or not. Now, they're a lot smaller. They're a lot fewer than with addictions, but there are some. We'll identify things that make your main problem worse or better. And remember, this is going to be different for every single person. I'm going to give you some suggestions, but I encourage you to take some time to really think about it. And then once you do it, don't consider that list done. Consider going back over it and adding to it as you figure out different things that you do that may make it better and things that you might not want to do as much of. And we'll explore how any addictive or compulsive behaviors may be impacting your ability to feel happy. So the main problem, we're still talking about your mood issue, if you will, in this particular slide. The benefits, and you know, you're probably scratching your head going, what in the world would the benefits to depression be? I don't want to be depressed. And that's true. However, there are A lot of times where people will be in recovery, will be wanting to get rid of the depression, but there's a part of them that doesn't want to. And so my question to them is always, what what, what is going to happen when you're not depressed anymore? What does that look like to you? What does it mean to you to not be depressed anymore? And emotionally, it can be really scary because when when you're depressed and when you're depressed a lot, you know what to expect. But it's scary to think about being happy and then maybe becoming really clinically depressed again. So one of the benefits to staying depressed is you're not going to have the fall. You just stay down there. Um, And that sounds a little bit odd, but when you think about how scary it can be to fall from really happy to not happy at all, um, you might start to be able to understand that a little bit. Mentally. When you have identified yourself, which is one of the reasons I encourage people to identify themselves as a person with depression or a person with an addiction, not as an addict or as I'm depressed, because I am means it's part of you. So if I am depressed, then what does it mean if I am not depressed anymore? That means I'm getting rid of part of myself because I've defined myself as being someone who's depressed like all the time. So I don't know how to act or be if I'm not depressed because I've that's what I've been. So I encourage people to think about their symptoms, their diagnoses, whatever they want to call it, their, the labels that they have for themselves in terms of is it something that's part of them or is it 
a, a condition like having the flu. When you have the flu, you don't say, I am the flu. You say, I have the flu because you know it's going to go away. You can get it under control. It may come back next year and you'll deal with it again, but it's something that it's not part of you. So you don't have to grieve the loss of it. Physically, benefits of depression, there aren't a lot. Um, and I can't think of any that any of my clients have ever identified either. But, um, you know, think about if there are benefits to it. For example, and I always put this more under social, when people are depressed or anxious, a lot of times it um, kind of lowers the bar. So they are, if you will, self-handicapping. People don't expect as much from them. So there's less chance they're going to disappoint somebody. Um, so these can all be benefits, and ultimately, I kind of lump those all together as protective. This is something, a condition that you've had for a while, symptoms that you've had for a while, and you know what to expect, and change is scary as hell. So, you know, I don't blame you if you already feel exhausted and like you can't deal with anything else. I don't blame you for you know, having some apprehensions about upsetting the apple cart and going, okay, we're going to start being happy and learn all these new tools. Because you know what? Therapy is exhausting. And I tell, you know, for 20 years, I've told clients, uh, when you start working on self-improvement, whether it is with a therapist or self-help, it doesn't matter. It is a full-time job. It is work. It's not something like watching... A 30-minute video on Netflix. It's something that takes mental energy, physical energy, um, and a lot of times it takes will and determination and all kinds of other stuff. So it is energy intensive, and if you don't have a lot of energy, then staying the same, keeping the depression or the anxiety, can almost seem easier than the change, which is scary and is going to take a lot of energy. Okay, so Understanding these benefits and figuring out how to address them is going to be one of the first things. Looking at how can I deal with my fear? What can I change in my life so I might have the energy to deal with this stuff? And pacing yourself. If somebody is clinically depressed, they don't have much energy. It's, they're doing good to get up and get a shower. So take it slow. Don't expect to be getting up and going to the gym and being a soccer mom in two weeks. Take it slow. You know, the first week or maybe even month, look at things like getting up, taking a shower, getting into street clothes before 9 a.m. And, you know, maybe going outside into the sun, walking around. Don't make it something that is not doable. Be realistic. So start setting goals that are going to help you start moving toward happiness, but at a, at a pace that's doable for you. The next thing we want to look at is the drawbacks to your current condition or symptoms. And this is a lot easier to really start hitting the highlights because that's why you're trying to change. What are the emotional drawbacks to being depressed? Well, it's not pleasant. It's depressing. Or to being anxious, it's exhausting. Um, to being angry, that's also exhausting. Mentally, the drawbacks, having a negative attitude often causes people to be less mentally flexible, less creative. Um, what is it for you? Physically. Now, here we have some drawbacks with your, your mood issues because mood issues, anger, anxiety, and depression 
generally all cause exhaustion. Anger and anxiety are your fight or flight. That's that HPA axis going, there's a problem. We need to get the heck out of here. So you are revved up. Depression is when you done run out of gas. So you're exhausted. So physically, these things are draining. They're hard on your immune system. They muck up your neurotransmitters. They muck up your sleep, um, make it harder to function and focus at work. Don't really want to spend time with others. Your oxytocin and other um, hormones and chemicals are out of whack. So there are drawbacks that you can see. And socially, depression, anxiety, and anger, people generally are tolerant and compassionate at first, but if you have these conditions repeatedly or consistently, it may be harder to make um, long-term, helpful, supportive, healthy friends. Um, So you want to look at how is it impacting your relationships with others and how is it impacting your relationships with your family. Um, If you're depressed, you're probably not going to have energy to interact with them in the same way. If you're anxious, you may just exude stress all the time. How does that impact everybody around you? Um, And anger, you really probably don't want people walking on eggshells around you. I encourage you to make a list of all these things so you see the reasons that you want to change. And you can go back and review them when you start going, you know, it really wasn't that bad. Go back here so you can remember, yeah, there were a lot of drawbacks to it. I want to keep doing the next right thing. So you've identified all those things, and now you're like, okay, well, this really feels awful. What do I do? Figure out what you already do. You've been living with this for two years, 20 years. There are times when you haven't been angry, depressed, or anxious. Again, even if it's only for an hour or four hours, what are you doing? that makes that better emotionally what are you doing that makes the problem go away are you doing things that make you happy and what makes you happy you can't be happy and clinically depressed at the same time now you can be depressed and have episodes of happiness that that's possible but during those episodes of happiness what's different for me um watching cat videos listening to kids giggle Um, watching the woodpecker that comes and visits our our bird feeder. It doesn't take much (laughs) to make me me happy. But you want to look at the simple things, not huge things. But what can you access 24-7, 365 that might bring a smile to your face? It may not make you happy henceforth and forevermore, but if it can make you happy for the next hour or get you through the night, that's what we're looking for right now. Mentally, what things make you happy? Reading books, playing games. I love learning. Um, so I try to pick up a hobby. And, you know, when I do it, my husband always laughs because if I pick up a hobby, I am going to get every book off Amazon that was ever written on the topic. When I had my son, he was a micropremie, and I got every book that was written to date. On how to parent micropremies. I have like this whole library of books um, because I want to know everything I can possibly know um, about what it is. I want to learn it. I'm kind of one of those people that's a little on the extreme side. But mentally, that keeps me occupied and it keeps me curious and it keeps me engaged, which, if you're doing those things, you're typically not anxious, depressed, or angry. 
when I am mentally, you know, like with my son, I had a lot of anxiety about having a micro preemie, but all those books gave me the mental knowledge that I needed that, you know what, I can, I can do this. Um, physically, what things make you feel better? Nutrition, sleep, hydration, those are going to be big on my list uh, for anybody to look at because you've got to give your body the building blocks and you've got to give it time to rest and repair to make it real simple for right now. And socially, what things do you do with friends, family, other people that make it better? Um, do you prefer small groups? You know, some people, for example, in um, addiction recovery, there are large group meetings at 12-step meetings, and then there are smaller groups that are what, what's called big book studies. And some people do a lot better at big book studies or what's called home groups, which are typically smaller, 8 to 10 people, um, as opposed to the big general meetings. The general meetings tend to be overwhelming and exhausting for them. So figure out what works for you to improve the moment socially. And don't forget about online communities for addiction recovery, um, even social networking. There are some really good groups on Facebook uh, that tend to be somebody's awake 24-7. So you have a resource at 2 in the morning if you wake up. And then think about things that make it worse. And your first thought is probably going to go th to things that make it worse in the short term. But I want you to think bigger than that. I want you to think big picture. For example, alcohol. Alcohol can make a problem seem better in the short term. But in the long term, is it helping you get closer to your goals? Is it addressing the issue? And... Is it going to have negative repercussions as you go out? When you drink alcohol it, or use drugs, any of, any of the above, it messes up the balance of your neurochemicals. So when the alcohol leaves your system, you're going to feel, well, first anxious and then depressed. Uh, so that generally makes anxiety and depression worse. So you want to drink again. So think long-term, you know, this may help right now like when you're really angry push, putting your fist through the wall may seem like a grand idea but when you're sitting in the emergency room with three broken fingers probably wasn't your best choice so think about the things that you do when you are experiencing those unpleasant emotions that make it worse in the long term and keep you from moving forward towards your goals emotionally um this can be dwelling on it. Um, I've told you before that I always threatened to get a cat and named it, name it Grudge. So I would always have a grudge that I could nurture. Um, but I've let go of that now. <laughs> I'm feeling much better and my cat is now named Mojo. So I've got good Mojo all the time. Um, but things that make it worse include holding on to those negative emotions and nurturing them. That does nothing but suck your energy. Mentally, what things make it worse? Generally, thinking negative, holding on to resentments, looking back and finding, creating a list of done-me-wrongs when you're mad at someone just to justify your anger. Again, that's nurturing that emotion and using your mental energy in a way that's not helping you feel better. Physically, using drugs, sleeping too much can make these issues worse. And, you know, you're probably like, well, you just said you need sleep. Yes, you need quality sleep. 
But when you're sleeping too much, then your body doesn't know when it's supposed to be awake and when it's supposed to be asleep. So it doesn't secrete melatonin at the right time. So you start getting a lot of poor quality sleep and very little good quality sleep. So you need to keep your circadian rhythms kind of balanced. And socially, what things make it worse? What things are stressful to you socially? What people are stressful to you socially? And those are the people that when you're having an episode or heading down towards an episode, you may want to not spend as much time around or figure out a healthy way to deal with them. Maybe it's your boss that you can't avoid dealing with. So consider all of these things. Keep these lists handy because things that make it better are things that you're going to want to be able to look at when you're having a bad moment. You're not going to be thinking in that moment, all right, I know there's 15 things I can do, yada, yada, yada. Give yourself a list. Don't rely on remembering those things. Give yourself a list of things that you can try to help yourself feel better. Because the ultimate goal is progress, not perfection. If you can feel better for an hour, that's progress. Then you want to bump it up again to two hours and so on. If you have an addiction or use behaviors or substances to eliminate your distress, repeat the above process, which is going through all of those benefits, drawbacks, what makes it worse, what makes it better. Basically, create a relapse prevention plan for addiction. Um, when you use compulsive behaviors to feel better, it increases the amount of pleasure chemicals, dopamine, norepinephrine, in your brain way too fast. But they also go away just as quickly. So your body doesn't have a chance to balance out. It's kind of like being in a hot bathtub and having somebody dump a whole cooler of ice in on top of you. That ain't cool. Um, your body can't adjust fast enough. So when the drugs wear off or when the rush from the behavior of skydiving or whatever it is wears off, you may have a moment or several of feeling very... Um, unhappy and moody. When you stop doing the behavior, um, you may want to use again because you have that kind of moodiness going on. And you're like, this, this really sucks. Addictive behaviors or substances can actually cause the symptoms of depression and anxiety. They can mess up your neurochemicals in a way that causes your brain to become unbalanced temporarily. Most people, the majority of people, their brain will rebalance to however God said it when they were born once they stop using and have some time to rest and recover. Now, that initial setting may be a little bit off balance in terms of feeling happy, and that's something you can evaluate after you have some time in recovery, some time to rest and recuperate. But you also want to look at things like chronic stress when you were a child that may have contributed to neurochemical imbalances. They find that I think it's 82% of Americans have unhelpful or have neurochemical imbalances, who have unhelpful levels of their neurochemicals. Um, and that's because of our lifestyle that is high stress, not taking care of ourselves, running you know, burning the candle at both ends, so we have too much cortisol, which produces all those negative effects on our hormones in our body. So anyway, when faced with a problem, we choose the solution which seems to have the greatest benefit. If it's going to make you feel better, you want to do it. However, you need to practice the pause. What may have the greatest benefit right now 
may also have negative impacts later. So practice the pause and think about what is the greatest benefit long term. Some behaviors have more of an immediate benefit and cause more harm in the long run. By examining the benefits and drawbacks, you may increase your motiv motivation for change. So look at the benefits to your current behavior and continuing to do it and look at the drawbacks. This will help you maintain that momentum to go forward because you remember all the reasons that you started it and it's harder to look back if you've got it down on paper and minimize the problems that it caused. By identifying what's helped in the past, you can hone in on some things to start doing today to start feeling happier. You can't be miserable and mildly happy at the same time. So try to do things to improve the moment. You may not be able to change some things. You may have to tolerate the distress. However, you don't have to sit in it. You can start trying to improve things and accept life as it is. If you like this podcast, please subscribe on your favorite podcast player or join our Facebook group at docsnipes.com slash Facebook.